Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find an ass tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on an ass. And on a colt, the foal of an ass. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the ass and the colt and put their garments on them, and he sat thereon. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and those that followed him shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred and saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Lord, help us to see this Jesus today. And this is Palm Sunday, and we think about that day that the Lord Jesus Christ entered into the holy city and the great crowd and multitudes of people as they followed him, as they went before him, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna. In fact, they made such a racket over the situation and following the Lord Jesus Christ that the townspeople were quite taken by it and upset by it, and they became curious about the situation, and so they asked a question. And the question was, who is this? Who is this person that has caused this great disturbance? Who is this person that they herald as a king and as the Messiah? Who is this one that they claim to be the promised one? Who is this person? Who is this? Well, beloved, I can't think of a better way for my soul than I hope for yours this morning to keep Palm Sunday and to understand something of what it was all about. For us to try to answer that question, now, of course, we do not have enough time to go into any great detail in relation to it, but there's two or three things that I want to call to your attention in order that we might rejoice together about them and over them. Now, when the crowd was really asking the question, this is one time that they were asking the right question, that's for sure, because this is the one that we need to pay attention to. This is the one that we need to know. So who is this? In the first place, I would point out to you that he is a king. Now they thought, of course, in that day, those who were very close to the Lord Jesus Christ was looking for the one to return in the likeness of King David. And they thought that they had the one. That in all probability that he would set up an empire here upon the face of the earth that they had known 
as uh, David's kingdom of long ago, and one that would rule the world and as the fashion of kingdoms that are set upon the face of this earth. Now the Lord Jesus Christ was a king, and he is a king. But what a strange king he is. Not as this world is he a king that they have known heretofore. Because, you see, the kings heretofore did not do what the Lord Jesus Christ did. It was a custom of old for a king not to lead people. Oh, no. Only at his distance. Especially when they were going into war, into battle, or taking a country. It was not the custom for the king to lead the people in battle, uh, that they would send their best force ahead. And the king, if he was even on the battlefield, while well, he was somewhere in the rear of his army. But this king is a strange one, that he would go before the people. The very last night that the Lord Jesus Christ was here upon the face of this earth, did he not say to these disciples of his, he says, I go before you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. We have a type of king that does not force us out into the lead. We have a king that asks us to follow him, to follow him. His army is not equipped as the armies of this world with the instruments of destruction and death. Now, isn't that interesting? Whether it be a potentate or a king or ruler upon the face of this earth today, they equip themselves with such massive instruments of destruction uh, that their security rests upon these things. But not so with this king. He's a different one. He has not called us to be his army in order that we might destroy, destroy, and destroy, and destroy. No, his ruling power is not found in metal and steel and what have you. His ruling power is found in the strangest thing of all, seemingly, when we think of it in relation to power, his authority comes. His ruling power is found in his love for us. His love for the world. His love for all those who have yet are not born. His love for those people yet are not born into the kingdom of God. His ruling power is to be found in the strange thing that he is one of love. Now, if one is going to be a king, he must have a kingdom. Now, the strangeness of this king is matched with his strangeness of his kingdom. It's a very interesting one, to say the least. We can say that his kingdom is on this earth. But, beloved, his kingdom is not only of this earth. His kingdom is to include all people everywhere. When kingdoms are formed here upon this earth, they set up certain regulations and restrictions to exclude some as well as include others. But not so with his kingdom. His kingdom is for all people. Let whomsoever will come. We think within our day there are those nations that build walls in a sense, around their country in order that the people who are there that want to escape cannot escape. We think about the other barriers, even to come into this great country of ours. It's more lenient than most countries. But they have a restriction that if you come to this country, you may be able to get in, and then you may not be able to come and to be a citizen, but not so with 
with this king and with his kingdom. There's no barriers, none. You don't have to be rich, no matter if you're poor. You don't have to be educated. You can be uneducated. You don't have to be wealthy. So here we are, a strange kingdom in a sense, but what a beautiful one. The kingdom that includes all people. We hear from time to time, and years gone by, we heard of Hitler and the German nation that they was creating an empire that would last for centuries and maybe be eternal. But there's only one kingdom that we know about upon this earth and that one can belong to that is eternal and that is the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Kings and kingdoms come and go. Nations will rise and fall. But this is one that we can belong to and be a part of it today that reaches into eternity, however long that might be. And then notice the strange claim of these people that belong to this king and to this kingdom. It is not that they claim to be super people or super folk. It's not that they claim that they are so great on their own. It's not that one could mass a fortune and buy into this kingdom. We all know that we're here under one condition and for one reason, and that is that God loves us and demonstrated that love to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that we're here simply because we know the Lord Jesus Christ. No other reason and for no other cause. Not super men and women. Not on your life. We too have feet of clay. We walk up on the face of this earth like every other man and woman. The only difference between us and anyone else that makes up this earth, if there be a difference, is because we happen to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know the King. And because He is a King, we belong to His kingdom. Beloved, we are a citizen of that kingdom. You think about it for a while. You are a citizen in a privileged kingdom, to say the least. It has all the earmarks of being something that is so fantastic and so great that I would agree with the Apostle Paul that I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, that doesn't mean in some years to come from now, but that means at this very moment, at this very hour. You are privileged to be a part of this fantastic kingdom ruled over by none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I would simply ask the question to you this morning. What are you doing about this citizenship? What are you doing with this citizenship that you have in this beautiful kingdom? Do you spend your time indulging yourself, dissipating your energies with foolishness? Or have you given some thought to the fact that you're a citizen of the eternal kingdom of God today, not tomorrow, right now? If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know him, you have entered into eternal life already and part of this eternal kingdom. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Jesus is not only a king. Yes, who is this? Well, he's a counselor. He's a counselor. Now I want to start out by saying what a counselor is not. 
the Lord Jesus Christ as he is a counselor, as is talked about in the Old Testament, the one that would truly come in Isaiah, spoke about one to be a counselor. My, what a tremendous concept. And there's different from being a counselor and being a judge. You know, it's interesting what this world tried to do to the Lord Jesus Christ and what people tried to do. They tried to make of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of being a counselor, to be a judge. Now, a counselor can never be a judge. The Lord Jesus Christ, I remember, I think it was in the book of Luke, probably the 12th chapter, and another in the book of John, somewhere along about the 8th chapter. Remember, they tried to force the Lord Jesus Christ to be a judge. Judge between my brother. Judge in relation to this, over this matter, in relation to possession, that uh, who should it be and, and who should have it. The Lord Jesus Christ refused to be a judge. I don't know how we've got it all turned around and all messed up uh, within our society and in the world today. Is it not so that many people think of the church and of us as being Christians, that uh, we sit in judgment on people? Perhaps one of the things that's done more damage to the church than any other one thing and keeps people from coming to the church is because somehow or another we have let it get out that we are some type of a judge. We have set ourselves up sort of to be to judge people. Well, let us understand that you do not follow in the train of the Lord Jesus Christ if you have set yourself up to be any type of a judge. We are not called to judge people. One of the things that I've had to overcome, and I suppose it's true of every minister, as people look to us and think that we're some kind of a judge, I am here not to pass judgment on any soul. None. If I could think of myself as being in the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would think of myself as in the true concept of being a counselor. A counselor does not judge. A counselor, in its best sense, is not even one that tells people what to do. That's right. We're not in a position, really, to tell people what to do. I remember one time early in my ministry, I can recall this as if it only happened yesterday. I remember this man came to me and he was talking about his wife. I don't remember too much of the details, but I remember the mistake that I made in relation to this man. I remember he said his wife was getting off possessive of him and he could not do this, do that, and the other. And I said to him, I said, well, I think a good thing for you to do. Why don't you uh, go buy your wife some flowers? As she's feeling a little insecure about you and your love for her, why don't you go buy her some flowers and take them home to her? Well, I remember he thought it was a real good, brilliant idea. So he went out and bought his wife some flowers. The next day, I saw this guy coming up the walk about noontime toward the church, and I could tell by the way he was walking that he was just mad as fire. He was just as mad as he could be. And he came right up to me, and he says, Preacher, he says, I did exactly what you told me to do. Now my wife is so suspicious of me that she even follows me to work. He says, now what other kind of dumb, bright idea have you got? <laughs> a counselor doesn't tell people what to do. Not in the best sense they don't. This is not necessarily their calling to tell people what to do. It's a matter of giving leadership in this way. A counselor is one that listens. He listens. Oh, how beautiful are those people that are mature enough to listen. Now, you haven't thought of listening as being taken any maturity to do that, have you? Well, it does. 
and you can go to any party that you want to go to and be involved in any group of people, and you try to tell someone how you feel, and you'll have to put your hand over their mouth almost and shut down mouth so you can tell them how you feel. And we just don't listen to one another. And yet, beloved, I think that if you follow in the footsteps of your blessed Lord, in the footsteps of your master, that you will be a counselor in this sense, that you too will be careful to listen to what people are trying to say. You will listen. You will listen. And you will understand. Where did we ever get this concept? That I've got to go through the same thing that you go through in order to understand it. Well, now, an animal might have to do that. But you as a human being don't have to do it because you've got a mind. God has given to you a fantastic thing right up here that you're able to think with. You're able to relate to people with it. You are able to understand because you can reason with this faculty that God has given to you here. And you can enter into a person's sorrow, into their grief, though that is not personally yours. But you can do it simply because you are a human being and God has given you a mind to think with. And the Lord Jesus Christ is a counselor because he understands. How many people will not come to church anymore because they think the church won't understand? They won't understand. There's many a person outside the church here that's been caught up in a mess in their life. But they can't come to church because they feel that the church sets a judgment on them and won't accept them. But because we don't understand. Well, we do understand, don't we? You know, I have never in my life talked to a saint of God. You know, a saint of God is the most understanding person. A mature saint... A mature Christian is the most understanding person upon the face of this earth. My, what lovable people. They are the ones to talk to. They don't sit in judgment on you anymore than the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior and Lord. They don't necessarily try to tell you what to do. They just accept you just right where you are. You know one of the great hymns that I like, Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. You know... If you could be a better person, if all those people outside the church could be a better person without the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't need the church. If you could be a better person without the Lord Jesus Christ in the church, what are you doing here? But you see, the God's honest truth about it is you can't be. I cannot be. I cannot lift myself off the floor with my shoestrings. I cannot do it. I am what I am, and if I'm fit for the kingdom of God, it's not anything that I have done outside of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what Jesus has done. And when we come to the place of where we follow into the train of our king and accept something of his attitude, I am led to believe that our churches again will be filled with people who are seeking the right way to live. They go everywhere. They do everything in order to be able to find a way to live that they can live with themselves. And here we are within the church. We have it. We know it. And why don't we go about revealing this attitude then to one another and to our society? Doesn't mean we have to accept the way another person lives. That's not what we're talking about. We can object to the way that they live, but we can accept the person. 
loved them. The Lord Jesus Christ loved old Zacchaeus though he was down in a mess. In all probability, a thief. He loved Mary, though she was far afield of being the person and the woman that God intended for her to be. And so we could go and name many names. We sing these great hymns that tell us that we have a Savior that understands us and loves us. Well, we give the best proof of our discipleship. But when we emulate the Lord Jesus Christ as a counselor. And you come and you be with us and look to the same source of power and strength that we look to for our help and for our redemption. Well, we have a king and we have a counselor in the last place. I want to say to you that we have a savior. Who is this that's coming? It's the savior of the world, of men. It is the Messiah, it's the promised one. That's who it is. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of man. It's my Savior and my Lord. Now there's two ways the Lord Jesus Christ, I think, and just about two, and two alone, the way that he's going to prepare you and condition you for the kingdom of God. Now he's going to do it this way. He's going to give to you the power that you need in order to live and to be the person that you would like to be. He's going to save your soul. He's already paid that price. This is a preparation he made before he went to the cross as he went into the holy city. He knew at this time what was going to happen to him and why it was going to happen to him. And now he saved your soul. Now he's going to take care of you. And he's going to give to you the power that you need in order that you might be the person that you want to be. Now that's one way he will do it. He'll set aside the sin. He'll set aside any tendency that you have to sin. He can do it, and he does do it from time to time. Well, there's another thing that he will do. And this is the most interesting statement now that I want to talk about in the entire Bible. It's one as we as Christians need to hear today. And we need to understand what he's talking about. And it came out in relation to the Apostle Paul. Old Apostle Paul said he had something with a thorn in the flesh. Now, I don't know what that is or what it was, but it was something that plagued this man like you wouldn't believe. It kept him from being the man that he thought that he needed to be. It may have been some kind of a sin or something. I don't know what it was, but it was something that made him less the man that he wanted to be himself. He knew that he could be a better man, but he had this, what he called, the thorn. And so he said, I talked to the Lord Jesus Christ three times about this thing. And the Lord said to me, now here's the interesting statement. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient. Now what he was really saying, the Lord was really saying to Paul, Paul, I've already paid the price for your, for your soul. That's been paid for. The ransom has already been met. Now go on and live. I'm not going to take care of this thorn in the flesh. It's already been taken care of. Now go on and live. Now, one of two ways, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you, but just, you know, just give you the power that you need in order to be able to live today the way that you want to be. Or he's going to say to you, now, look, I'm conscious of who you are and what you are. I'm conscious of this situation, but I want you to know that, that I've already paid the price for you. Who is this that's coming? It is one that has set aside my sin. 
yesterday, today, and whatever I might be involved in tomorrow that I have either the ability or the capability of staying out of. I have a Savior. He is the one that has been promised us. He is the one that we talk about when we talk about the good news that came. My soul has been set free. You know, as I think about these people of long ago, my goodness, that multitude of people going ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ and crying out from the pit of their soul, I would think, the Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. If these people had something to rejoice over and to be happy about, how much more have you got today? Because you see, beloved, that you have a deeper understanding than these people had, and that's for sure. You know full well that you have a king that's not of this world, and you know full well that you belong to a kingdom that is here, but is eternal. And you know full well that you've got one of the most beautiful persons that you could ever possibly dream of, and a counselor in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know full well that you have a fantastic, beautiful Savior. If any soul goes away from this service this morning without rejoicing and singing in the midst of its being, praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must be then because you do not understand the fantastic thing that God has given to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, our Father, help us to be no less than these people of long ago. May these souls of ours sing today because we know the Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.